Amen. And uh, welcome. It's lovely to see you this morning. Uh, I was thinking this week that we were kind of in between two seasons. It kind of felt that spring was making itself felt, and I thought we'd talk this morning about being in between these seasons. And then uh, I woke up this morning and I saw that winter was back with us, and I thought, well, there goes that. It's all kind of fallen apart. Um, but I think we are in between two seasons in, uh, in different ways. Um, we were at Mount Stewart yesterday, bumped into Alistair and Katie when we were there. It was uh, lovely to, to be there. And there was definite signs of spring while we were there. You saw the, uh, the bulbs coming up. There was lots of color uh, bursting forth. It was, it was really beautiful. But I think also that we are in between seasons uh, in terms of what we have been living through over the last few years. There's a sense uh, from the news, from leaders that we are emerging from this season of pandemic and restrictions. And that actually begs all sorts of questions, and it forces us to grapple with all sorts of quite difficult and challenging questions, because yes, we are coming out of one season, and it's been a difficult season, there's no doubt about that, but now the question becomes, where are we going? Where are we on our way to? As a community, as a country, where are we going? And I think this passage this morning begins to help us to, if not answer the question, at least to address it. Because Jacob is grappling with a similar set of circumstances in this uh, passage from the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 46, he's emerging from one phase of his life, and he's beginning to contemplate the possibilities that God is opening up for him in the next season of his life. And these possibilities would have massive repercussions and ramifications for his family, for the people, for his community uh, there in Canaan. We see a community on the brink of something new. But in the midst of this new set of circumstances that God is ushering in for a community and a people, God speaks to Jacob very personally. And that is how God works. Because yes, in the midst of his plans to prosper his people collectively, he also is concerned to bless us as individuals as he calls us into those plans that he has for us to give us hope and a future. So as we spend a few moments this morning reflecting on this passage from Genesis 46 and the lessons that it might have for us today, I think it's a really timely moment for us to pause and to reflect and to ask ourselves, where are we? Where are you this morning? And I don't just mean uh, in this room or, or gathered at home. I mean in a slightly different level. Where are you in your head this morning? Where are you in your heart this morning? Where are you in your soul this morning? Where are you in your walk with the Lord this morning? Where are you as you process this difficult season that we've been through? And where are you as you contemplate 
the season ahead. I think at such moments in life, there's often a temptation to respond in one of two ways. The first thing that uh, sometimes we do when we sense that we are entering a new phase of life, that there are new possibilities uh, on the horizon, is that we begin to plan ferociously for that, and we really seize uh, with lots of determination uh, and lots of ambition all of the things that may lie ahead. But the difficulty with that is that sometimes transitions are actually quite challenging, and they need to be handled with wisdom, and they need to be handled with great care and energy and, and energy as well, because the thing about transitions is that when we're emerging from something that might have been quite difficult, then actually gentle steps may be needed if we are not to run ahead of the Lord and if we are to last the course. I think another temptation that sometimes presents itself to us at moments like this is that we are determined to remain in the season that we have just come from. And that's understandable because we're vulnerable and we're weary. And the thought of moving into new possibilities and new promises and new opportunities can actually be quite scary. And however disappointing and painful and hurtful and difficult the old season may have been, at least it remains familiar to us. Jacob's transition moment came at a particularly dramatic time in his life. He thought he had lost his beloved son, Joseph. He thought Joseph was dead. And now he's utterly stunned to discover that, in fact, Joseph is not only alive, but ruling over Egypt. And all, quite understandably, Jacob wants to do is to go and see him. So he's really eager to seize this moment, this new possibility that has come his way. But it's not as straightforward as that, because by this time in his life, Jacob is over a hundred years old. And that journey to Egypt, a foreign land, a land known for its idolatry, would yes have been very long, but would also have taken him out of Canaan, the land of promise, and would have taken him through some really difficult, harsh terrain as he made his way there. So there's a dilemma. There's a dilemma here. Yes, there's the prospect of a new venture. And yes, there's eager anticipation to seize all the promise of that new venture. But there's also the realization that this is going to be really difficult. What do we do when we are confronted with such moments in life? What do we do when we have all these complex factors to weigh up in our minds? I think there's a really good example we can follow here from the life of Jacob. The first thing Jacob does is to journey to this special place, Beersheba, to worship. And this is really important because Beersheba, Beersheba was where Jacob began his journey to Haran earlier in Genesis when he was a young man fleeing from the wrath of his twin brother Esau. So Beersheba represents leaving behind the security of familiar places. But that's not all it represents. Beersheba also is a sacred space for Jacob. It's a space where Jacob experiences God's presence really powerfully. 
Jacob remembers that it was there in Beersheba that his grandfather Abraham had worshipped. It was there that the Lord had appeared to Isaac, saying, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. And it was at Beersheba that the Lord appeared to Jacob all those years ago as he was preparing to leave the land of promise for Haran. It was there that the Lord spoke to Jacob in that vision with the ladder going up to heaven. And I think we should pause for a moment to remember the words that the Lord said to him on that occasion. He said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall be spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north, to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I think in going back to Beersheba that day, Jacob needed to remind himself, yes, of God's presence. He needed to be in God's presence, and this was a special place for him. But I think he needed to remind himself of that promise that God had made, because he knew how painful it could be to leave behind all that was familiar to him in the land of Canaan. So in some ways, it's no surprise that Jacob went to Beersheba to worship because, of course, he was really eager to hear from the Lord again, to know for certain if he should stay or if he should go. And I think, actually, there's a reminder to us in this as well that when we are confronted with such situations in life of needing to make decisions, of weighing things up in our minds, sometimes there are special places that we associate with God's presence. That is not to say that God is not sovereign over all. Of course He is. But there are certain places where God can bless us, where God has spoken to us in the past, where we sense God's presence particularly powerful. And it can be good at those moments of decision-making to go back to those places, to remember what God has said to us in the past, and even more importantly, to remember how God has kept His promises to us in the past. And Jacob, then, when he goes to this place, he's reminded of the assurance of God's faithfulness. And this assurance of God's faithfulness is the key to removing the anxiety that he feels at this moment, this pivotal moment of his life. And Jacob shows us just how powerful the assurance of God's faithfulness is in these important moments. God speaks to him saying, Jacob, Jacob, and Jacob simply replies, here I am. And there's something really important we need to understand about the, the deep symbolism of that reply that he gives to God. These are very simple words, but they are the same words that Abraham had used when he was tested and when he was called by God to slay his son. When Abraham lifted the knife, we read in Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham simply said, here I am. Here I am. The words are exactly the same as is happening with Jacob at this moment in his life. These are the words. These are the responses of people who have had their faith tested. 
but crucially, who trust in God and who live their lives absolutely rooted in God's goodness and the assurance of God's faithfulness. So when God reminds Jacob of all of this, saying, I am God, I am the God of your father, he's reminding Jacob of the promises that he made to Isaac, to Abraham in past generations. He's reminding Jacob of his constant faithfulness. And when we read these words, God also reminds us of his constant faithfulness throughout the generations, including this one that we live in now today. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's by reminding Jacob of his faithfulness that God ministers to Jacob's fears. I wonder is that a reminder that we are in desperate need of today? The reminder that God does not want his people to fear at moments of challenge or moments of change. As the Apostle Paul said, if God can be for us, who can be against us? As David said in the Psalms, the Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? In Jacob's case, God says directly to him, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. You see, God is not in the business of generating fear or anxiety. God is in the business of removing fear and anxiety. And he does that by reminding us of who he is. He reminds us, as he reminds Jacob, of his promises and of his faithfulness. He calls us by name. He addresses our fears through his word, as we're reading this morning, through his spirit, and in those moments when we meet with him, like Jacob did at Beersheba. I think it's not so much the sort of sense of the future that can cause us anxiety and fear in life. I think it's the, the fact that it's unknown. It's that fear of the unknown when we look ahead that can cause so much fear and anxiety in life. But the promise God makes here and the promise God makes throughout his word is that he goes with us. These words that Jacob heard at Beersheba, of course, would have been familiar to him. On that journey that he made to Haran those many years earlier, the Lord had comforted him in a similar way, saying, behold, I am with you and I'll keep you wherever you go. In both situations, God comforts Jacob by promising always to be with him. This consciousness, this realization of God's presence with us is a really powerful way of dispelling fear. No matter what circumstances we might face, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But God's promise isn't just, I'll be with you, as amazing as that is. Because that could mean, yes, it'll be dreadful, but I'll be with you. His promise is actually so much more encouraging than that. God's promise is that I will be with you in the valley and the challenge and the difficulty, but the valley and the challenge and the difficulty is not the destination. 
It's only a stage on the journey, on this journey towards a more glorious, joyous, life-filled destination. And that's why God says to Jacob here, I will myself go down with you to Egypt. That's not the end of the story. And I will also bring you up again. And that's so important because, yes, this is primarily about the nation of Israel, its deliverance that we'll read about in the coming weeks in Exodus. Yes, it's a promise applied personally to Jacob in the sense that God had promised him that he would be brought back to Canaan to be buried. But it's also a very personal reminder to us too. I will be with you as you walk into the uncertain future. But the uncertain future isn't the destiny because I'm leading you to the place of life eternal. And I don't know about you, but I find that deeply comforting in times of uncertainty to hold on to these promises. And God gives Jacob such a beautiful picture to hold on to uh, in these difficulties when he says that when all is said and done, when this difficult journey is done, you will meet with Joseph, you'll be reunited with Joseph, you will see Joseph, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. It's such a poignant, such a beautiful uh, image. And it's a really important reminder to us that in God's story, of which we are a part, fear and anxiety and difficulty and challenge and all of these things, they do not get the last word in God's story. Grace, mercy, peace, love, these things get the last word in God's story. So this story of Jacob then invites us to live our lives with confidence. It's reminding us that God's desire is to work out his perfect and pleasing plan in our lives. And it's really important that we understand that this desire extends to all of us. No one is excluded from this invitation. Jacob was over a hundred years old when God did this wonderful new thing in his life. Never, ever fall for the lie that God stops being interested in anyone because of their age. God uses people of all ages to demonstrate his goodness. And he uses people of all sorts of backgrounds who've done all sorts of things, who've all sorts of colorful pasts to demonstrate his grace Jacob was, as Mark reminded us earlier, an opportunist, a conspirator, shifty, untrustworthy, negligent. And, you know, we've all been various elements of that in our lives, I'm sure. And there were really big moments when Jacob wrestled or struggled with his past, as I'm sure so many of us have done in our lives. But the wonderful grace of God is such that when Jacob or when any of us turn back to God, God sees his heart and he can use the pain of his past to help him grow in faith to equip him for his present and his future. No one is beyond the mercy and the mighty blessings of God. So where are we? Where are you in your life in your journey right now. Where have you come from? But more importantly, where are you going? Have you a desire 
to seize a new opportunity, like Jacob did. In Jacob's case, it was a surprising opportunity to be reunited with Joseph. Is there a desire in your heart that you would love to seize? And yet the path ahead just seems so daunting. Are you anxious when you start to think of your future? We've heard this week all these stories about we're moving into a new place and masks are going to go and distancing's going to go and, you know, we're, we're, we're moving into this new place. Um, there's an anxiety that comes with that. Are you anxious about the future? Because all you can see are challenges. Is there something in your life that you need to leave behind that's holding you back, that's preventing you from experiencing that joy and blessing that the Lord has for you? Are you trapped in a state of mind or a season of life that you long to leave behind, but you just cannot seem to emerge from it? And you certainly know that you can't do it in your own strength. Today, I want to encourage you, but much more than me, God wants to encourage you to look forward to what lies ahead. Not to be anxious about the details of that, not to worry about what it looks like or how you're going to get there, but to remember that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob is the same God who appeared in human flesh and has said to us, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness. So this morning, I think we're being challenged, but I think we're being encouraged gently to trust him, to follow him, to obey him, to listen to him, to journey with him, and to respond in faith and confidence and assuredness not knowing necessarily what the future will look like, but in an act of committal, in those three simple but powerful words of Jacob, here I am. Let's pray together.